Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It was a worst-case scenario for the Bucks in Minnesota. The Vikings had injury to insult. Who's to blame? Are the Bucks in trouble? After just two weeks, and there was controversy before the game, too. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Rick and Tom podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn. You can also find us on SoundCloud and at TampaBay.com. We're here each and every day, although you may not want us here today, Rick, because we don't have very good news. We're doing this podcast from Minnesota where the Bucks were blown out 34-17, to 17, and I'm gonna. there's another injury. It's me. Jumping off the bandwagon, I think I have a high ankle sprain now. Yeah, a lot of people broke ankles doing that, and you know, <laughs> it, understandably so. Case Keenum, worst case scenario, that would have made a great headline. Um, That's right. <laughs> this guy is, you know, turns into freaking Brett Favre or something in his heyday when he shows up against the Bucks. Against everybody else, he's a below average backup. Period. Guys like seven and fifteen. Against the Bucks, he's three and zero. Oh. Going for over 700 yards, seven touchdowns, and one interception. And, oh, yeah, they're all bombs. It was bombs <laughs> away again. Like, I don't know what Mike Smith's plan was tonight, but I can't imagine, like, the ones they said no to. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. the defensive meaning, was it like, well, should we do this? Oh, no, that won't work. Well, I know. Let's just leave our corners on an island out to dry, cover three, doesn't matter. Like, just go man-to-man and – See if he can hit some more long balls on us. And yeah. then at halftime, and then at halftime, we're like, you know what? It's not working. Hold on, guys. Let's just keep with it a little bit longer. <laughs> That's I right. It's gonna work eventually. Wait, one more series. Just give it one more. Uh, fifty-two yards. Rick, how could we have been, or how could I have been? Maybe you answer this for me. I know you tell me all the time. The NFL is crazy. And is. look, there were a ton of games on Sunday that went the way that T- nobody thought today, they would go. Yeah, but. Let me ask you this. How, how could I have been so wrong about this Bucks team? I finally jump on the bandwagon. Is it a, simply a case of they played a Bears team and I totally got fooled by how they played against the Bears? Did they just have a bad day? Is this who they are? How did this happen? Well, you would think that, except that the Bears damn near beat Atlanta, you know, a couple weeks ago, played awful against the Bucks with the four turnovers, and then ended up winning this Sunday. Um, against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that was heavily favored. so That beat I'm, Minnesota a week ago. <laughs> yeah. So it is kind of crazy. It's like you got to be prepared to play. There are good matchups and bad matchups. Look, for the Bucks today, I think, you know, they really were up against it in, in terms of guys that we knew weren't going to play, and then it got worse. Um, you, start with, you start with Brent Grimes, right? I mean, Brent Grimes might be 104 years old. But he's still the best corner that the Bucks have. And the guy had a shoulder injury all week. Now, he was, you know, he was listed as limited um, and questionable. I thought there was a shot he would play. I, it really didn't dawn on me that he would necessarily be benched. But he had the shoulder, so he couldn't go. So now you got Vernon Hargraves out there. And, you know, then you got to go to Ryan Smith. And, I mean, if these guys weren't backpedaling 25 yards and letting everything, you know, in front of them, then they were just – 
you know, man coverage all the way down the field. And, and every ball, it seemed, that Case Keenum threw at Hargraves, at Ryan Smith, they didn't make a play. I mean, a play. Hargraves, remember, Hargraves had a horrible game, I thought. And not only, oh. as you mentioned it, Rick, he was. there were some plays where he was like, it seemed like he was 10 yards backed off of a guy. And then the next thing you know, he's getting burned behind. Like one or the other has to either you're, keep everybody in front of you or let a guy get behind you. But it seemed like both were happening to him. Well, if I'm producing the Stefan Diggs highlight reel, I'm looking at this game. Eight catches, 173 yards, including a 59-yarder, two touchdowns. I mean, that's that's a season for some guys. They targeted him 11 times, 11 times. Yeah, and he caught eight. And then Adam uh, Thielen, Adam Thielen, you know, who is somewhat nondescript in the league but having a good year, they come out and the first thing they do is throw a 45-yard bomb right over Hargraves' head. I mean, that was the thing. It's like everything went over their head. At some point, you know, and I thought – I just thought that, that, that Schumer, Pat Schumer, just, just outcoached the Bucks. But on top of that, you know, when you lose – when you come into the game and you don't have Brent Grimes, right, and right. – Chris Baker has been out all week with the flu, so he's not playing. Um, who else were there? And they're missing Quan Alexander, their Mike linebacker, which I thought, okay, maybe they can get away with that with Kendall Beckwith. But you start there, and then during the game, like during the game when all this carnage is happening, mm-hmm. then you lose. Gerald McCoy goes on and off the field with a bum ankle. I mean, the he guy was can hardly... useless, by the way, after. And I, I'm not criticizing him. No. He was incapable of physically of doing anything after he injured his foot or ankle or whatever it was. Yeah, and he was in a boot after the game. And then, of course, Levante David, I mean, that was scary. Anytime you see them bring the cart onto the field, fortunately for him, he didn't break the ankle, but it's probably a high ankle sprain that would knock him out, I would think, four or five weeks at minimum. Um, And, you know, and there were guys going in. Hargraves went out. Um, You know, Ryan Smith went out. Uh, They were just, you know, and then then Noah Spence. This is something to watch, too. I mean, here's their young – you know, up-and-coming pass rusher off the edge. And his shoulder, which he had repaired in the offseason when he had the torn labor and had surgery, it popped out. That's what it did last year. You know, it, it keeps dislocating, and that's a horrible sign. So I don't know, you know, if he's going to be able to play. He came back and finished the game. But, I mean, how many times can your, can your shoulder pop out? Last year, he was one-armed. He had to wear a harness the whole season. Right. So this is there is no good news, especially when – You've got, you know, next starting next between now and then, you got like what two games in twelve days, right? Right. Yeah. Once you get to the Giants game next week, then it's two games in four days, basically, or two games yeah. in five days with, with no the, practice. With the, with the, and Joe McCoy said it after the game tonight. He said they better get things figured out in a hurry. The thing, Rick, that that just stunned me though was how non-competitive this game was. I mean, mm-hmm. this game was. It was 7-3 at the end of the first quarter, and the Bucs, they moved the ball decently on the first drive and had to settle for a field goal. But then the second quarter, the game just got away from them, and they go into the halftime. They're trailing 21-3. It felt like it felt like 100-3 at that point. And, again, I just don't know how I could have so badly misinterpreted how good this team was. And, I again, I don't know if it's I just overreaction first weekend. You know, that yeah. happens. Yeah, and, and maybe we're overreacting to this. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not as good as they were in week one, and not as bad as they were yesterday or on Sunday. Yeah. But yeah. maybe it's somewhere in between. But now all of a sudden, that's the question now. Which which is closer to the to the real Bucks? Well, 
I don't. I mean, if they were all healthy, I would think that they'd be closer to the Chicago Bears, you know, team, or the team that beat the Chicago Bears. Right. But that was not the same team. I mean, again, you know, any team loses their their shutdown corner, such as it is, uh, and then the other guy doesn't step up like he needs to. He needs to play like Brent Grimes, um, because you're going, you know, they're going to go after Ryan Smith, and you know, and the same is true, you know, on the defensive line, they got no pressure tonight, none. Um, if they hit the quarterback twice, I, I don't remember it. I know they ended up with one sack, but it, it was just, I mean, you know, I think you said it to me during the game. It's like, it doesn't matter. In the NFL, if you have a quarterback who plays in the league, right? And there's right. a lot of guys that we, like Case Keenum, that you don't necessarily think of when you think of NFL quarterbacks. But if you have one that can stand back there and it's seven on seven, essentially, they're going to shred you. And that's that's kind of what he did. I mean, there there weren't any tight throws, you know. It didn't. It, it just didn't. It never seemed like he was under, under duress. And and then he they got stepped, Dalvin he Cook. He stepped in. He stepped into every throw. He yeah. felt confident standing back there, throwing deep, waiting for the white re- right receiver to come open. You're right. And I and I did say that during the game that we can make we can sit here and make fun of guys like Case Keenan and Mike Glennon. The difference between Mike Glennon a, a week ago and Case Keenum on Sunday. Was that Mike Glennon was under duress the whole game? Right. Uh, Case Keenan had no trouble standing back right. here, and you, as you say, patting the football and yeah. looking for an open guy. Yeah. Well, they had a nice plan. I mean, they were, you know, because they can run Dalvin Cook, they're doing a lot of zone runs, and then and then they were, you know, bootlegging out of them, and they're just kind of pushing. There's a lot of attention on Gerald McCoy tonight. You know, they yeah. they got four hands on him pretty much the whole game, and then like you said, when he became injured, it was difficult. Um, Dalvin Cook, where did this guy come from? Did you ever hear of him before? <laughs> I know somebody wrote that uh, the Bucks did the right thing by taking O.J. Howard. Which one of those one catch did you like tonight? <laughs> did you like Did you like the one catch he had on Sunday better than the one catch he had in Game One, or did you like the first one better? Well, I think I, I like the. Killed. I think I, was I, I think killed I, on Twitter. Oh, rightfully so. I think I like the. I think I like the run blocking that he provide. Oh uh, no, he actually didn't run block all that well. Oh, we'll get into the offense in a minute here, but yeah. Dalvin Cook. 27 carries, Rick, 97 yards. I think he caught the ball, what, five times for another 72 yards. So yeah. you're talking about 140-some yards of all-purpose yards. And a lot of them after contact. I thought at one point oh, yeah. I looked up, it was like in the third quarter, he had like close to 70 yards after contact. This guy's yeah. a real deal. He's a real football player. Oh, he's and a monster. On a day when the Bucks actually could have used somebody like Dalvin. I still think they O.J. Howard was the right pick. But – Boy, Dalvin Cook would have looked good on Sunday in a Bucks shooting. Yeah, I think he might have been the difference. I mean, you know, um, the, if you could, you know, if you could take your player, you know, and put him on their team, and they take your player, hey, it's one of those things with Madden. But um, if you look at, you know, they actually did a decent job. I mean, I mean, three six a carry is not tremendous, right? I mean, it took him twenty seven right. carries, he still didn't get hundred yards. But then you look at the Bucks rushing. Goodness, I mean, they only they didn't really give it much of a chance. I get, I know they were down twenty one to three. But that was down. They were down so quickly, but you you know you can't. What happens is is that you realize we're better off if Jameis throws every play, and he threw it forty times, because they only ran it nine times total, right? Rogers right. was five for fifteen. Um, you know Charles Sims two for four. I think you know they ran a reverse for with Bernard Reedy for three yards. That was it. Yeah. You know we didn't see Peyton Barber at all. I thought, I thought the plan was to get him in the game earlier this week. That wasn't going to happen because as soon as they turn it into a passing game, they need one of those third-down guys, either Rodgers or Sims, to, to help with protection. 
So it was a Rick, disaster. They can't run a football. They can't run no. a football at all. No, they can't. And I'm telling you, if they don't figure that out, really, this is this is the whole season for them. The only time they've been good on offense, really good, is when they've had balance. When Doug Martin has rushed for 1,400 yards. I mean, we went through this to a degree last year. You know, this is what these games like Arizona. Remember, Doug Martin gets hurt, you know, week two a year ago after they throttle Atlanta, and he gets hurt early in the game. They can't run it. They end up losing 40 to seven. I mean, Jameis Winston needs a running game because he's a play action five and seven step step drop guy and, and, you know, drive the ball down the field. And he cannot do that, you know, if he's in the shotgun all day and guys are just coming after him. That offensive line did not, didn't, was not going to hold up. And I'll tell you another thing, Ali Marpet, dude, you need to work on the, uh, on the shotguns a little bit. First of all, it's coming back there at 100 miles an hour. He's he's throwing I mean, Roger Clemens fastballs back there. Yeah, I mean he is out. he's got which some was zip better on. than Evan Smith who used to throw like uh, <laughs> a Phil Necro knuckleballs back there yeah. coming in there about four miles an hour. Yeah. yeah, it's somewhere in between. Is the mama bear would be nice for these guys, you know? Like get together and try to like hit it in between. But he did not have a good day, you know, blocking or or snapping. There were several several that you know Jameis had to either pick up off the ground or, or, you know, bat up in the air to himself. And that, that takes the timing. And, and on third down, they were 0 for their first five. They finished 1 for 6. That, that offense left that defense out there to die. I mean, you know, they basically said, hey, guys, we're not playing today. You go out there and you have fun, okay, because we're going to be over here drinking Gatorade. And as much as we can sit here and criticize the defense, and the defense did not have a good day, let's, let's no. be honest there. But there are times where, particularly in that first half, that the defense is giving up yards, they're sucking air, it's, they're tired, their guys mm-hmm. are getting hurt, it seems like every series. You know, those are times, how about the offense stepping up? Make a yeah. play. Get a right. drive going. Go down and score some points. If, yeah. you, if you can't stop the other team, well, at least maybe you're, you can outscore them. Yeah. That's right. And, some, and that, that's never, right. that never happened in the first half. They scored three points in the first half. Yeah, there was never a threat of it. Their first drive, you know, they moved the ball pretty well. But you're right. Like going in, if you know that you have a starter out at every level, and you know you're a little shorthanded, and those other team, that other team's going to make plays, especially with Dalvin Cook, who can control the ball. I mean, you know, that's the thing. I thought Mike Zimmer did a nice job, and his offensive coordinator saying, you know, we're not putting your offense on the field. Like we're going to have these 15 play drives. I mean, they hit some big strikes too. Don't get me wrong, but they were going to use Cook, and you knew that going in. So that that almost required you to try to keep your defense fresh. You know, and they they could not. I mean, they couldn't get three more plays. If you if you're zero for five on third down, you know, and you're three and out all the time. I th- I don't think the Vikings went three and out until like maybe late in the third quarter. Yeah. You know, and it was all. I mean, like Dirk Cutter said after the game. All right, so uh, we got beat in every way you could get beat today. And hats off to the Vikings. They did a great job. Not good enough in any aspect by us. Greg Allman had a stat. We were at dinner on Sunday night, and he had a stat that the Bucks did not rush for a first down on Sunday. That only happened four times in the NFL all last season. The like entire whatever. league. All uh, games. 250-some games. Yeah. Yeah. All games. And, and it happened to the – so let me ask you, Rick, is this, is this that their running backs right now aren't good enough or their offensive line isn't good enough? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> it's one of the two. But definitely one of the two. I I think look I don't I don't. Jacquez Rogers did some nice things last year when he need when they needed him. You know he carried it thirty three times against Carolina, including ten straight to start the game. Remember that up there, 
when mm-hmm. they they try to put the uh you know try to for, try to limit Jameis's interceptions um but Charles Sims has given him nothing on the ground uh I don't know that there's a lot of holes to run for run through I don't know how much of this is on Rodgers but you know he's never been a a lead back I mean he's never been in this role and and albeit it might be temporary when Doug Martin comes back but Doug Martin will be coming back against the Patriots on a short week where he's not even going to get to practice so I don't know what what you're to expect not knowing what kind of shape he's kept himself in he wouldn't have played football at that point for almost two months um so you you would assume it's going to take him a little bit of time to knock some of that rust off so that to me is is the biggest thing. Like you, you have to be able to have some balance, or your quarterback's you know going to be back there, and it's it's not going to end well. But I I don't. To me, the 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 single if they could snap their fingers and change one thing, other than Case Keenum playing against them, I think it would be run the football. Can we just run the football? So that begs the question, Rick. Did they make a mistake? Should they should they have taken <laughs> Dalvin? Should they have taken well, Dalvin Cook instead I of mean, OJ Howard? I, I think today's game might have turned out different. I, I don't know how you could say it wouldn't. I mean, you know, and this is not a knock against O.J. Howard. These no. things and, cannot... And admittedly, we're, we're talking two games into a draft. Yeah. I mean, two games these, after a draft, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, you're pulling on the elephant's tail, you know, blindfold the whole thing. Like, you don't know what animal it is because even... And I, I'm watching this game, you know, I mean, the Redskins were playing um, Sunday night. And, you know... Just, just watching them and remembering that RG three was rookie of the year, was he not? Mm-hmm. For yeah, the Redskins, sure. And the backup quarterback that they took in the fourth round or something like that was Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Well, now Kirk Cousins, you know, is shredding people and making twenty five million dollars a year, and RG three is not in football. So right. careful making snap judgments about guys, especially after three weeks into their NFL career. Does Dalvin Cook look like a great running back that can do it all? And he's probably, you know, a good rookie of the year candidate. Yeah. You know what? So is Ezekiel Elliott. But there were some problems that showed up off the field. Mm-hmm. And Ezekiel's not having that year this year. And I don't even know that he won't be suspended before it's over. So right. there's a lot of reasons why Dalvin Cook made it, you know, in the ninth pick in the second round. But would 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 Dalvin Cook had made the Bucks? If you took him off that team and put him on yours tonight, right. he was no worse than the second best player on the field tonight. Right. But I, I still believe that some, I got an argument on Twitter with someone, not an argument, basically a discussion. They're basically giving me a hard time about me writing an article saying OJ Howard is the right pick. Right. And they said what you said, like, which one of those two catches he had this year do you, do you like better? Sure, sure. But I will say, I said, look, let's have this discussion another day, like in the year 2022. That's, exactly. when, that's when we'll know how good this turned out. But certainly today it would have been. It would have been nice for the Bucks to have Dalvin Cook. I'm going to defend somebody, Rick, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me or not. I'm going to defend Jameis Winston. I He didn't have a great game. I, I'll admit that. But he was 28 for 40 for 328. A lot of those numbers were garbage numbers late in the game when, when the Vikings had a pretty big lead. But here's the big number. He, he had three interceptions. I don't know that I'm going to blame him for two of the three, and I don't think he was as awful as, as his stats may read. Actually, I'm not going to kill him because I thought they had no running game, so he was back there running around. As you mentioned, half the time, Ali Marpet was making him chase footballs. And the other thing is, I, I thought the one interception, I thought Deshaun Jackson sort of got peeled off there. He either could have been a penalty or he just 
He just yeah. didn't run a great route. And then they got, I think the last interception is like, look, they're they're trying to make they're trying to get something going. He's just trying to make a play at that point. Yeah, and he the forced, game was sort forced of, one in there to Mike Evans, which he's done successfully a lot. And the ball was a little high. Mike was trying to, you know, he knew he was going to take a hit from the safety, and it went off his hands. And you know, you know tough catch, contested catch. You see him make them all the time. And that's the thing. Like Jameis has confidence in those guys, but at that point in the game, you know, you have to score touchdowns. You're down two or three scores. And there's a little time in the fourth quarter, but you can't sit back there and you know. I think they were down two touchdowns at that point. Yeah. uh, When he threw his last interception, I want to say. Now, having said that, he's had this history the last the the three years that he's played, where those turnovers show up early in the year, like Mm -hmm. they just do, and you know we'll see what he follows it up with against the Giants next Sunday. But this is what we talked about was, you know, turning the ball over. And Jameis, you know, he'll always be the guy that takes it. You know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't say it was a receiver's fault. I mean, he always blames himself. But, I mean, three picks is three picks. I think, like, in his last 11 road games entering today, tonight, he had had, like, 16 interceptions. So, if you had three, that's, like, 19 out of the last 12 road games. I mean, that, that's a big number. And, obviously, it's a lot harder to play on the road. You don't have the benefit of the snap count as much. Um, there's noise, you know, all those things you have to contend with. But he's not he's not played all that well at times. And, and let's see now if he can if he can bounce back more quickly, because these interception games tend to snowball on him early in the year. And he can't allow that to happen against the Giants, who are gonna. The one thing you're gonna see against the Giants on Sunday next week is gonna be they will get pressure on him. That is a very, very good defensive line. For all the things the Giants can't do, the one thing they can do is rush the passer. Isn't it funny that we were sitting here just a few days ago on the podcast thinking, wow, if they could beat the Vikings, Giants are bad. They come in, All of a sudden they could be 3-0 and heading into that Patriots game. And now all of a sudden you're starting to look at it, could this be just like last year all over again where you win the opener yeah. and then, bang, you lose three in a row. <laughs> Suddenly well, this Giants game is a critical game. And and imagine, you know, how wounded the Giants are. I mean, they're 0-3, and that should not be an 0-3 football team. And they have a lot of pride. They I've lose on a 61-yard field goal? They yeah. lose the old-fashioned way, yeah. <laughs> as Gene Deckroff would as say. Gene would say, yeah. Um, but it's it's not, you know, a wounded team is a dangerous team, you know. Of course, they were wounded today, but they played a pretty good game against Philadelphia in the end. I mean, they like you said, they were there to win it, uh, and they got beat on the on the long field goal. But it's hard to lose. I mean, unless you're the unless you're the Cleveland Browns, right? It's hard to lose four games in a row in this league. I mean, we saw the Colts. You know, I, I didn't think the Colts. They just got a quarterback ten minutes ago, and Jacoby Brissett. They won today over Cleveland, but they won. And you know, I, I don't see the Giants as an zero four team. It's hard for me to fathom. So I think they're going to get, you know, a really inspired effort. And you know, the Bucks. I'm uh, talking to Joe McCoy after the game. I mean, he was like, hey, man, we're all beat up, and, and I kept going back in there because my team needed me, but that's just the way you got to do you got to suck it up. And he says, I don't know how we're going to fix this, but we better fix it fast or history is going to repeat itself. And what happened was they won the first game last year in Atlanta. Everybody had them going to the Super Bowl, and they lost their next three. And that is a hole that you do not want to dig again for yourself. I'm glad you brought up Gerald McCoy because Gerald McCoy takes a lot of heat from a lot of people locally uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, about how good a player he is and how tough he is. And I'll say this. Uh, we both saw him in the locker room after the game. 
and he could barely walk. Mm-hmm. And he was out there playing, and he and he he easily could have come out of that game. Nobody would have said a word. They were getting blown out in the second half. There was really no reason for him to be in that game. And he said, "My teammates needed me out there." And he went out there and he kept on playing. So, look, it's it's a moral. It's a it's it's one of those hollow things that happens in a hollow victories. But I think it's something that should be pointed out that Joe McCoy went out there and gave an effort when no one really expected him to. Well, I, I think it's significant. And I, I think that, you know, that's part of the leadership that, that people take for granted with him. Um, but what he is saying, in essence, to his teammates is, look, we got to play 16 of these in a row. We're going to have a lot of guys get banged up and hurt. But if you can get out there, you got to get out there. And I'm not saying anybody was jaking it today. No, no, no. But but if you're, you know, if, if you wake up tomorrow, you know, on Monday morning, as these guys feel like they've been in a car wreck every Monday, and some of these guys are going to be like, there's no way. But you have to find a way. And Gerald will find a way. Like, I'm convinced. Yeah. He, he may not practice at all. You know, he, may, uh, he definitely won't practice Wednesday, in my opinion. He may or may not get out there at all on Thursday. But I bet you see him Sunday against the Giants. I, I think mean, there's also something to be said for when your team's getting your, your rear end kicked in and you don't bail on them. And I know last right. year Jameis stayed in the game against Arizona. I just thought that was a, a bad idea because you were hurting, potentially hurting the future and the rest yeah, of the season. Yeah, they were teeing off, yeah. But I thought, you know, in the case of Gerald McCoy, I think it was almost like he was letting his teammates like, hey, I'm going to be a part of this. and We're getting embarrassed, but I'm going to be a part of it. I'm not going to go sit on the sidelines while you guys – Take That's right. more lumps, you know, and I and that is a, that is a real good leader. And I thought Jameis after the game, I noticed a little thing where he was going around talking to his offensive linemen, thanking mm. them for protecting. Them. I'm sure they they felt. I mean, we were in that locker room, Rick. It was it was not a happy locker room. They they realized it felt like more than just a loss. It was such a weird game, how everything went down. Like I didn't even know where to start with the injuries and Jameis didn't. You know, threw three interceptions and they couldn't run the football and the defense got shredded and more injuries. It was just a a bizarre scene. And, and like I said, as good as they felt after the first game, that's as bad as they felt after this game. You know, a couple guys, Levante David and Gerald, kind of confirmed this and said, and I don't make this truly. I don't put a lot of stock into this. I think it's easy to look back and say this because most of the time when they win, we don't ask. Right. But Levante, you know, was like, you know. We had a we didn't have a great practice this week. You know, a lot of like we we we'd have one period early where we'd just be kind of okay, and then we'd have to pick it up. And we he said we started the game that way tonight. Now I'm sure there are games that you know they start slow and win, and no one says anything. Um, but that's you know that's sort of you know as John Gruden used to say, "I tell you what, man, you better be ready to play, or they're gonna knock your block off." You know what I mean? And he's right. Every NFL team is capable of just embarrassing and humbling you. Case Keenum, you know, had a career day against the team that he owns. He owns them. I here's the thing, Rick, and this is the thing I think it's a little, it should be a little bit I think disconcerting for Bucks fans is I don't think they were overconfident. I don't think it was like last year I got the sense they got a little full of themselves. They went to yep. Atlanta. They beat the Falcons. Yep. They thought they were going to go in Arizona and roll Arizona. Right. I didn't get the impression, even with when they knew Case Keenum was starting this game, I'd never got the feeling that they went into this game overconfident. In fact, it sounded like Dirk Cutter was pretty hard on his team all last week and reminded them of what happened a year ago. And they still went out and got beat. 
I, I think you'd almost feel better if you're a Bucks fan if you could point and say, well, they were they they didn't take this game seriously or they were mm-hmm. overconfident. You know, I think they did take it seriously, and I don't think they were overconfident. They still got beat, which is almost worse. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. There's some issues here all of a sudden. Now maybe they go away next week. They beat yeah. the Giants and all of a sudden they beat the Patriots and they're three and one. Everything's great. But yeah. It, you know, again, it's an overreaction. There's there's no nothing worse than an overreaction after game one, and except for maybe the overreaction after game two. And yeah, well, maybe I'm I, reading I, too much into this loss. Well, look, I mean, good. let's think about this for a second. What, what did we say? And, and look, this doesn't make us you know Mensa candidates or anything. But what what did what did everybody say about where the deficiencies of this football team were? Okay, we know they have depth at linebacker. Uh, it's shown up. I mean, you, you've been without Quan Alexander, and you know I, I can't blame either either game or anything they did bad on defense necessarily on on Kendall Beckwith. I mean, they've been lucky to have that guy that can play. Um, they're, they're they're you know they're deep at tight end, but where are they bad? Where do they not have depth? Corner. Right. You know, I mean, no no NFL team has a ton of corners, right? They can play. Yeah, a lot of teams don't have two. Period. Right. But I mean, these guys they drafted one in the first round, and he, and he got. Gave up a thousand yards last year, but he played better the second half. But still, only had one pick, and this is a ball hawk, right? Right. And and then Brent Grimes is still their best corner, so you lose him. And I'm telling you, the drop off to Ryan Smith is a guy that you know was 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 playing safety last year, but didn't play. I mean, this is really his first action in regular season football. Is is your is your guy that goes in if one of those two guys gets hurt? I mean, that's you know that's significant. And where well, else the, thing we... that, the thing that was bad too, Rick, today about the, the corners was they clearly targeted those guys. They clearly oh, yeah. made a decision early. They either saw something or saw or, or decided as the we're game attacking. was there, we're going after Vernon Hargraves. So we're going to go after him deep. We can beat him deep, and they did. Yeah. And they did. They beat and they took turns beating him and Ryan Smith deep. And at times there was no. I mean, I, I talked to Chris Conte, and I was like, you know, again, what was your plan? <laughs> you know, and. He's like, well, you know, sometimes he goes, those guys end, end up <laughs> no, on the island. I just have to interrupt you for a second because we're going to get in. There was another storyline uh, that we're going to get into in just a little bit about Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson kneeling for the national anthem. But uh, because of that, you and I sort of hung out by their lockers were next to one another, Deshaun Jackson and, yeah. and Mike Evans. So we were hanging out there waiting for them to get dressed so we could talk to them. And, uh, and then Greg Allman who also covers the Bucks for us, went in to talk to Dirk Cutter. And we were at dinner and said, hey, did anybody ask Dirk, um, what was your plan? <laughs> and it was like, I, I wish somebody could, like, there's no way you could ask the question like that. You oh, I was going to ask it just like that. And, and I what probably was your should, plan? Well, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to ask him, was it, Dirk, going into the game, what was your plan against, you know, Case Keenum? Because I'm guessing since he had hit so many deep balls, 
you probably had some idea of how to stop it or try to stop. I mean, it, it, it's to me, it's like it's insanity. Yeah, he's Case Keenum, but he's he's had all these completions of over forty. Over forty yards is a lot of yards. Yeah. I think he's done this now five times. He's thrown balls over forty yards, uh, completions um, against the Bucks since two thousand fifteen. The entire rest of the NFL has only completed three of those that they've against played the since Bucks. that since that time yeah. against the Bucks. Well, we we couldn't really stop the run, and uh, we couldn't cover them, and we had no pass rush. <laughs> so I mean, there wasn't much. There wasn't much good. I mean, they did it. They did a good job of mixing. Case Keenum has been lights out every time we've we've played him. I mean, again, he looked like uh, he looked like the best player in the NFL again today. Uh, hit those deep balls. He gave his receivers a chance, and they made the plays. Uh, they they mixed it up well. So you know, hats off to them. This is a team that goes up against Matt Ryan and yes. Drew Brees and Cam, Cam Newton. Newton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and twice a year for all those guys. So how is it that Case Keenum? You know, comes in there with this reputation, and man, he's just going to go down the field, down the field, and and this is probably the best receiving group he's ever played with. I mean, these guys are better than Kenny Britt, you know what I mean, or whoever he had with the Rams. Um, so again, what was, and you know, and Chris Connie was like, well, sometimes we're in, you know, we're in quarters, and we bring our safeties up for this or that, and that leaves those guys kind of on an island. But you know, goodness gracious, I I just can't imagine. And like you said, even at the end of the first half, you know, you give up another 56-yarder after, you know, Ryan Smith should have been about a 15-yard, 20-yard gain, misses the tackle, safety takes a bad angle. Um, the guy's off to the races. I mean, it was just bad ball. That's what it was tonight, bad ball all the way around. Well, and I, I can't wait now for the Giants game just to see which team shows up. And Well, and that's that's where you're, you know, you're going to have to hope that some of those guys get back healthy. And like I said, I'm, I'm not sure about the future of Noah Spence. He's going to have an MRI. I, I don't know if they're going to put him back in a harness, like what, what that will do, or if they're going to sit him down, shut him down. I, I don't know. Levante, David, is going to have an MRI. He didn't break his ankle, but you got to believe it's like a, one of those high ankle sprains. They carted him off. And Which is a high ankle sprain could be almost oh, that's as bad as four, a break. Oh, six to seven. Yeah, it can be longer. Um, he seemed optimistic in the locker room after the game. He but did. He, was, he, he put a he good face on, on the negative uh, X-rays. You know, maybe. well, and I'm and I'm all, yeah, and I'm also thinking, you know, for him, when you come off the field on a cart like that, your your you know your season, and in some respects, your career is flashing before your eyes. I mean that sure. that look for all the world to get rolled up like that could be a season-ending injury. So when the doctor says, "Nah, nothing's broken. You're good to go." You probably have, you know, good. And then, you know, I'll be back. You know, I can right. I'll manage the pain. I'll get back. But I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. So I don't know who's going to play. I don't know. Well, what those Brent two Grimes guys, I'm telling you, the guy that looked worse to me was Gerald McCoy. He looked worse than anybody. Yes. To me. The way he was gingerly walking around the oh, locker yeah. room after the game. That did not look like a guy who who's going to be able to play two games in five days coming up in a I mean, he'll find. I think he'll find a way. I'm not sure, but I think he'll find a way. But you're right. I mean, he he struggled this week to play, and then when you aggravate that thing, it's not going to get any better. So they'll have to keep him off his feet and just hope. And the question is, you know, is he going to be 75 percent? You know, it, it, maybe he can at least take the heat off some other guys. But who are the other guys? Right. You know, <laughs> um, I haven't seen Robert Ayers make a play. He went out. Um, Clinton McDonald played today. 
there's a lot of you know a lot of guys that were out there that really didn't do a whole lot because um, they couldn't you know they they just could not stop their offense. So it's funny because I wrote a story about how this has been a top five defense and they have been for nine weeks. Sure, going back to the middle of last season and then the first game this week this year, but you know that defense you you got to have you got to have the same guys playing you know it, it's it wasn't with Ryan Smith at corner you know it wasn't with mm-hmm. Kendall Beckwith i think they missed Quan Alexander you yeah, know absolutely i mean you miss guys that set the tone out there and it's unfortunate everybody has injuries and like dirk said no one cares i mean they started what really amounts to the third quarterback for the vikings today that's right so you know the bucks don't even have 3 so there's really no excuse when you lose like that. Do you know it's a bad day? You know, you know how you know it's a bad day for the Bucks when their punter has a bad day. Brian Anger had a bad day. <laughs> he did. He yeah. He averaged forty yards a, a punt, but it just seemed like I don't know. It just didn't seem like it was a. He was couldn't a pin him deep. He didn't. You know, he didn't have that big bomb that you, that you need. You know, to change field position for him. They had a penalty on one of them, and you know they lost fifteen yards on the next retry, um, even though it was only a five yard penalty. And it just wasn't a whole lot, you know, a whole lot. Like like Dirk said, I mean, we pretty much don't know how else we could have gotten beat, you know. I mean, it's just every, every way you can get beat, that's what happened. Rick, there was a big story before the game, and we knew it was coming uh, because we saw something from Deshaun Jackson on Saturday night. Late last week, uh, President Trump uh, was attending a rally, and he made some comments uh, about players not standing for the national anthem. It was, it, and he was also talking about some other things as well. Here's the funny thing, Rick, although not funny, haha, funny, strange, is that it seemed like this national anthem protesting, it sort of died down. Like a couple of guys were doing it. It was almost not a story anymore. We knew certain guys were going to keep doing it, Michael Bennett, people like that. And it might be a note. It might be a casual mention on SportsCenter. But there really wasn't this... Uh, really widespread news about it. It wasn't leading. It wasn't leading anything. It wasn't leading the newspapers or leading Sports Center. It had really quieted down. And then Donald Trump said something about, "Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now? Out. He's fired. He's fired. And." That led to what happened Sunday, which was a bunch of players all around the National Football League deciding to, to protest in some form. Some knelt. Some decided not to come out at all, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think Seattle. Um, there were several players in New Orleans who sat on the bench. But Deshaun Jackson tweeted out Saturday night that he was going to do something. We didn't know what. We didn't know who would join him. And then we saw before the game that it was he and Mike Evans, side-by-side, uh, side, knelt down, and put their hands on their heart. You talked to both of those guys. I talked to both of them as well. What struck you most about what those two guys said? Knowing full well, Rick, that if you're a supporter of Donald Trump, you're going to disagree with those guys. If you're not, you're going to agree with those guys. I don't know that we're going to solve that in a podcast where we're suddenly going to change anybody's mind about the way they feel. But what is there anything that stood out about talking to those two guys to you? Well... I mean, this whole thing evolved sort of on their flight here to Minnesota when they were, you know, going over the, uh, you know, the campaign rally that Trump had had on Friday night. And Deshaun Jackson sits next to Mike Evans on the airplane. These guys that we saw in hard knocks have become pretty close guys. Uh, 
Um, you know, but I mean, look, these are these are Africa. You know, the NFL is predominantly African American. They all have their own experiences, um, and I think you know, having watched sort of the lack of condemnation from Charlottesville and other things that have occurred to then go after, you know, um, NFL players or, or, you know, in the case of, you know, Stephon Curry and, and people like this. And then, and then the, you know, when you call them SOBs, you know, that's now you're attacking their mom. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the way and, Sean Jackson took it. He said, my mom, a lot a of, a lot of players have, ta- have taken it that way. And, and, you know, I know Gail Jackson and she, she had something to say in support of her son on Twitter as well. And, you know, it, it, you know, just, I mean, it sort of unified a lot of players. I mean, even the ones today, now they had a team meeting about this Saturday night in the hotel, the team hotel and Dirk Cutter got up there and, and they had addressed this once before to start the season, you know, because there was some players that were not going to stand for the national anthem. We remember what happened last year when Mike Evans had his own protest and then walked it back, you know, but he was protesting the election, it seemed at the time, um, yeah, but he, he had some things, of the curve on this. Particular he he topic, seemed to be, seem. yeah, seemed to be because his was about Trump. Well, this was too, and you know, so it, it. But it was you know across the league after Dirk Cutter met with them last night, they read the statement from the commissioner of football. They read the statement from several owners, and I mean a good number of them, including guys who contributed heavily. Uh, to Trump's inauguration, like Bob Kraft, you know, like Shad Khan. And, you know, the players stood arm in arm. If they weren't kneeling, they were they were at least acknowledging a, a sort of a unifying, you know, feeling um, and trying to raise awareness. And, 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 you know, it was a weird day. It was an odd day in the NFL. It, it created, um, I don't know if distraction is the right word, but it was gonna. It's gonna be remembered for a long time, and I, I think these players, for the most part, the ones who who knelt, will continue to kneel, um, and there'll be guys continuing to to hold you know, arm in arm and all that sort of thing. But they're respecting, and the Glazers released a statement and said they respect as well the right of of these players, you know, to peacefully demonstrate, um, and you know they they've made that statement before, so. Right. Uh, but yeah, those two guys, it was interesting. I mean, they they were the only two, but they did they did put their hand over their hearts and you asked a good question, so why'd you do that? And I did. I asked I asked both of them and I, and Mike Evans' answer to me was it was for the military. It was for, for the troops. For the troops. I support the troops and I put my hand over my heart because of that. I asked mm-hmm. Deshaun Jackson about it as well and he said he has military members in his family and he spoke to them before he decided to do this. Yeah. And Mike Evans, I thought, made a great point, too. He said, look, a lot of people are going to try to misconstrue this and Absolutely. turn it into something that it's not. He goes, it's not about the military. It's not about the flag. It's about one thing. It's about Donald Trump. Well, when the, the president is singling out athletes, African-American athletes, uh, myself and you know, my other colleagues that, that took a knee uh, for just, uh, just having different beliefs than him, um, it was very childish on his part. Um, uh, he's trying to seem like he's trying to divide, divide us, and uh, you know I think this is just an opportunity for me to um, do what I can. You know, I mean, you know a lot of guys around the league did it, and I understand why. Here's the thing, Rick, and again, if you disagree with Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, 
and you disagree with their form of protest, that's your right as an American. I'll defend your right to disagree with them. That's, sure. that's your right as an American. What I don't like hearing, though, is this, is that all these guys are spoiled rich athletes because your profession nor your bank account should be able to take away any of your rights as an American citizen. They right. have as much right, Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, to speak out as anybody else. And I don't care if they've never spoken out before. There's no statute of limitations on when you can speak out. And this whole idea of stick to sports, that's ridiculous. Because if we're going to play that game, then tell the, I'd tell the president, stick to politics. Yeah, stick but to politics. it's okay. Yeah. Look, and I have, here's the thing. If Donald Trump wants to tweet out this stuff, that's fine by me too. It's his right as an American citizen. But the thing is, to tell people like essentially Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson and anybody else in the NFL to stay in your lane, essentially, I think is wrong. They're American. Well, and, and to call they're them American. SOBs. And call them SOBs. They're not being divisive, I don't think. But first and foremost, they're, they're American citizens too, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're Americans and humans before they are football players, before they well, are members you don't, of the Tampa you don't Bay hand, you know, whether, whether you're a celebrity or whatever, you don't hand in your citizen card just because you achieve something, you know, from, from a salary standpoint or fame. Um, whatever the field is that you're in, if anything, that's, you know, people asked on Twitter a lot. Like I, I didn't, you know, I got a lot of feedback, you know, when, when the word got out that Deshaun was doing this and, you know, you get a lot of comments about, you know, well, why, why, why are they doing it? They're not affected or, but th that's sort of the whole point. I mean, it's, to, it's to call attention. It's to use that platform, you know, and then you get the invariable, you know, you get the, well, why why don't they just stick to sports, type of thing? But um, you know, this is you know they they feel like this is the way to draw attention to those who can't do it themselves. Right. You know, there's a lot of people out there that you know aren't able to speak up, and no one who would listen to them, and 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 this sort of thing. So, you know, I thought the league handled it fairly well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it was interesting to see around the league how teams differed, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, your Pittsburgh well, Steelers did not come out for the national anthem. What's interesting, too, is it seemed like today that it was, at least judging by some of the things I was seeing on Twitter, and I realize it's a small sample size, it seemed like the players are unified on yep. this. It also seems like even those who didn't kneel are supportive of their teammates who did yes. or protest in some way. I also felt like it was more accepted this time around. Which mm -hmm. I'm sure Colin Kaepernick today is like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, really? But now, now it's oh, the cool oh, thing to do. Uh, now, now, we're, now it's a story. Yeah. Yeah, right. Where were where were all you guys in the league when I was when I was you know, basically going through this and now and now is out of the NFL. Right. Um, right. But you know, hey, uh, I, I think I think it's going to be this kind of year in sports. I don't think it's going to be, you know, restricted to just the NFL, but that's the season that's getting the most attention right now. And I would expect, just talking to those guys, I could be wrong, but I would expect that uh, they'll both continue to do it. They'll continue to do it. And I talked to Mike Evans after the game, and I asked him, would, would he do it? And he said, we'll see, but uh, he would expect so, which mm. is interesting because he did it for one game last year, got lots of blowback. I mean, oh, there were yeah. a lot of people, including local politicians, who criticized Well, he lost, and I'll tell you another thing, too. He lost endorsements. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there, he has, a, he had a car deal, he had other things and, and, and they, you know, Tampa's unique, San Diego's unique. I mean, you know, they have a relationship with the folks at McDill, you know, and 
it's there's a lot of military invited to games and they're going to have a military week every year um and so our community you know is our neighbors are servicemen and women and so you know the the last people that you want to offend and not honor um in tampa florida would be them and i understand how personal it, it is to some people and families of those who have lost you know those who have served and you can understand it but what what mike was saying is hey don't conflate this and say it's about us disrespecting troops and and not honoring this flag uh it's about having our free speech you know he said he's heard from a lot of military people as well he said it's been about 50 50 he has heard some criticism he's also heard from other military members who've told him this is why i fight to to, to defend people's rights to protest and we heard that from a lot of people too when we you know when we had this subject come up with kaepernick uh, a, a year or so ago right uh, he also told me, I said, you know, you're going to get some blowback on this, right? And he said, I know. He goes, I don't care. <laughs> he said, because yeah. the people who don't like me already don't like me, and they already support you're not Trump. not going to change their mind. I man. clearly don't support Trump, and those who will support me are, are people who are who are not going to complain. You know, So I think he realizes what he's in for this time around. But it's a story that's, that's certainly not going to go away, and it's going to have a – an impact for uh, several more weeks here. So that's the day in the, in for the box. Just real quickly, Rick, we're going to do this more later in the week as we do uh, more of our podcast uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. But looking back quickly at the weekend of college football, Florida, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. They could, I don't care how bad they are. I don't care what's going on. I don't care who's quarterback and put Kentucky out there. They'll beat them. This was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know who finished. Was it like Major Applewhite or somebody like that? <laughs> I mean, Jack Luke Del Rio. I don't. I don't. I don't even know. Um, the, you know, Jim McElwain is cheating the hangman a little bit here. I mean, I you know after the after the the hail mary or whatever they don't want to call it, uh, the week before he looked like a man that just got the call from the governor, and then this week, I mean, thirty. What was it? Thirty one years. Yeah, now but, it's 31 years, yeah. Now it's 30. It had been 30 years they, in a row they had not lost to Kentucky, and they had them, and, uh, you know, they wind up pulling that game out again on, on a last sort of play. But it's unbelievable. And then watching, you know, Florida State, I mean, they're 0-2. You, the, you called this. You called that game. Yeah, because I, the North Carolina. I, I missed on both, by the way. I said that, that well, Kentucky was going to be. Yeah. I thought Kentucky was going to beat Florida. I called yeah. that game. And I also said FSU would be just fine yeah. going up against NC State, and neither was true. Funny thing was, it wasn't the quarterback. It wasn't the freshman. It was the defense. The defense was horrible. Which stunned uh, me because I saw that team play in person against Alabama, and they did a fine job that game. Yeah, that's and, supposed to be their strength, right? And they got lit up against NC State. So and now then, you're 0-2. Uh, Is that the end of Florida State's season as we know it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They're not. I, I thought Matt Baker, a college writer, had a great line. They they had planned on going to Charlotte for the uh, ACC championship game because now they can make plans to go to Charlotte for the Belk Bowl because that's where they're <laughs> headed at this point. Yeah, it's <laughs> not good. Meanwhile, then, uh, USF keeps rolling, baby. Yeah, nice crowd, by the way, at that USF 16th game. Out. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. I don't know what the, how to fix it. I don't know who's to blame for it. But I'm telling you right now, that can't continue. And if it does, Charlie Strong's not going to be here much longer. 
if he has, then you can't get anybody good to coach there. We'll talk about this more. This is, this is a, that could be a, a whole podcast worthy topic yeah. that, but USF, they're a good football team. How much team. longer they are they going to have football at USF if this continues to be the norm? Either that or just put, just build a stadium on site uh, at it's the campus matter, for, and put 8,000 people in it, you know, make it an 8,000 yeah, seat it's stadium. Not matter. <laughs> and maybe you'll sell that out. But it's, and I'm, you know, I'm sick and tired of hearing the excuses. Well, it's hot. Oh, they played Stony Brook. Oh, Hurricane Irma. Oh, this, you know, this. And that. There's an excuse. Every week there's an excuse for why 16, 18, 20,000 people show up. And it's not good enough. This is a team that's pretty good. Go watch them play. Well, I don't see who's going to beat them. I mean, they've had some slow starts in games, but that schedule's horrible. It is. Um, and I think Charlie might win his 12. It's hard, like you've said before, going into the season saying, well, all I got to do is win them all. But they may win them all. Right. I Nobody did, by the way. Them. I did, by the way. T- I told you, I, I this. I have to cling to this because it's the only thing I got right all weekend long. Because I picked the Bucks to win as well. I said that Iowa would give Penn State fits, and they did. Penn State they sure did. The last play of the game to win. That. How about how good is Saquon Barkley? By the oh, way, oh, best player in the country. If you think he's not the Heisman Trophy winner, you need to go back and watch some tape of this kid. He is crazy. He's a witch on the field. I mean, I think. You know, and I'm trying to think about guys in college football when they were coming through like that, but uh, different runner, but Barry Sanders comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I mean, guys that, I mean, his ability, like he leaped over this dude, took a shot in midair, found his feet, and just kept going. And He stiff-armed the dude while he was in midair. Yeah. He stiff-armed a guy to the ground. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, he's 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 a joystick, you know. I mean, he just... The, 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 his ability, you know, to hop, you know, take these side, these, you know, horizontal jumps, jump stops, and then accelerate, you know, through the hole. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, there used to be a, uh, uh, the old defensive coordinator for the Bucks was named Floyd Peters. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Floyd Peters. He was the Vikings Apparently, for a while, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bald guy, looked a little like Mr. Clean, gruff voice. <laughs> Yes. You know, just right out of central casting. He was Sam Weich's defensive coordinator. People listen to this podcast, you know, if you're over, I don't know, 35, you might remember this guy. Anyway, um, we, he used to play Barry Sanders. And Barry Sanders, you know, the Bucks rarely stopped. I mean, they'd, they'd stop him, you know, 21 carries, and then two other carries he'd have 80-yard runs. So <laughs> that was just who Barry was. Right. But Floyd would sit out on the back porch back in the old one-buck days, you know, when they had the trailer park off of runway 36 right, and he would smoke. And so he'd have to go out of the building, and he'd sit on the porch, and his cigarette would be wagging, you know, got the heater going. <laughs> and he would talk about Barry Sanders, and he'd go, I tell you, this Barry Sanders guy is unbelievable. He's like, they took a 300-pound man and cut his legs off at the knees is what he reminds me of. He's like Bambi and cleats. I don't even know what you got. What are you going to do with this guy? And that's how he, that's how he would talk. 300-pound man and cut him off at the knees. I mean, and that's the size of, of Barkley's legs. I mean, you've ever seen and He's a weight oh, room yeah. freak, apparently. I mean, he is outside of the quarterbacks that will go 1-2 or maybe 1-2-3. Right. He is the next player going off that board. I assure it. I, it's, I just hope he doesn't get hurt because what a career this guy could have. I, I think as soon as Penn State loses a game, he's. I think he'll announce, I'm shutting it down. That's it. See well, boys. your boy See might you kill him with, like, you know, how many footballs he puts in his hand. He's carrying the whole damn offense. Well, yeah, it's, he's, he's there. He is there. Him, uh, McSorley's a decent quarterback, but he's, yeah, he's he's basically their entire 
uh, entire offense. So we're going to talk more college football later on in the week. Uh, we'll get we'll deep, uh, dive deeper into Florida and FSU's issues. We'll talk a little bit more about USF and some of the other things. And we'll also talk about a crazy day in the NFL on Sunday. Upsets everywhere, a weird week. So we'll get into all that as the week goes on. And also the Rays are wrapping it up last week of the season. We'll look ahead to some of the things they may do in the offseason and uh, and look ahead to what's going on this postseason. But once again, thanks for listening. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn. And you can also find us on SoundCloud and at TampaBay.com. Our thanks to our producer, Steve Verstick. And uh, Rick, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later on this week. See you back in Tampa. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.